Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time for another episode of Living Hope. The living journey of those living with this very deadly disease, pancreatic cancer, and how they deal with it on a daily basis. With our host, Roberta Luna. Welcome, Roberta. Hi, good. Thank you, Paul. Nice to be back today. Finally, we have a little bit of sunshine here, so it's nice to be out in the sun. Today, we have Mike Greenstein with us. He's a dedicated advocate in the fight against pancreatic cancer, inspired by his caregiving journey with his sister, Jackie. He brings his business insight and a heartfelt commitment to his role at Let's Win Pancreatic Cancer, enhancing support for patients and their families. Thank you, Mike, for being here today. I hope I got everything in there. You have a long list in your bio. It was really great, but I hope I covered the majority of it. You got it perfectly, Roberta. Those were the important points, so thank you for that. Oh, good. It's a wonderful bio, and I just don't want to leave anything out because you're such a great advocate and really out there enforcing and just doing what you can, and we greatly appreciate you. Can you share your story with Jackie's journey with pancreatic cancer and how it influenced your decision to become deeply more involved with Let's Win? But maybe first off, let's just you know talk about Jackie and, and her journey and what you went through with her. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for asking and for the opportunity to honor Jackie by participating here. So Jackie, I'll use her formal name temporarily here, Jacqueline Hope, Jacqueline Hope Greenstein. And I emphasize the hope because of you know the Living Hope podcast, but also because it's synonymous with the way I think about pancreatic cancer, but also things in general more and more. Jackie, I'll still say, is my older sister. I'm the middle guy. I have a younger brother, Robert. And so, you know, you go along life and I'm jumping way ahead to, you know, relatively happy childhood and the different directions that we went. Around 2017 in the fall, I still remember getting the phone call from Jackie. She was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. She wasn't feeling well for a while and and ultimately, you know, we got that diagnosis. And you know, Jackie didn't have a partner or kids, was single. And so it was naturally harder for her because she didn't have immediate sort of the nuclear family support around her. So, you know, myself and my brother Robert really, and our families, our wives and kids really became her, you know, direct support caregivers. And I want to acknowledge Robert because. He did more than his fair share. You know, Jackie often stayed at his house with his wife and family, and they were very close as well. So 2017, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. We were fortunate through a relationship with Cindy Gavin, who I used to work with, who's the executive director of Let's Win, find a way to an amazing person and doctor, Dr. Allison Ocean, who's also on the board of Let's Win. And they just became fast friends, and that's just the way Jackie is, and that's the way Allison is. And... You know, the treatment initially, standard of care treatment initially seemed to work. And within a year or so, with some wear and tear, obviously, she everything that was lighting up sort of had shut down. And she went back to work. She went back to work with a career that she found later in her life as a teacher and really became a calling for her. And that was her joy. Unfortunately, you know, that didn't last as long as we want. And then the tumors returned, lit up. We were able to get ourselves into a trial at, at Penn down in Philly, which I ever happened to be today for other reasons. And that also worked for a while. But unfortunately, in early February of 2020, Jackie passed. And so it was about three years, a little less than three years for her. You know, she throughout the whole time was a fighter and an, an advocate for others facing pancreatic cancer. She uh, made some good friends also who were dealing with the disease and things that they could share with each other that frankly, we as much as we would try, we couldn't possibly, you know, be in her shoes. 
So, yeah, I look back on that with a lot in my ongoing work for pancreatic cancer and, frankly, just as a brother and as a son of our parents who are still alive, 93 and 88 years old. And obviously, as much as it's hard for my brother and myself and our families, it's it's particularly hard for our parents. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, as a parent, we think, you know, no parent should have to bury their child. So I have not been in that place, but I'm, you know, I have talked to many who have, and it's just something that we can't understand or go through and hopefully don't have to. But I do appreciate you sharing Jackie's story. And her middle name actually resonated with me as well. It really attracted my attention when I was researching her and saw that. I thought, oh my God, that's just a perfect name from what you know, middle name from what I was hearing about her and stuff. So thank you for sharing that. But I know as a caregiver, because I was a caregiver for my mom and my dad. So I know how it can be difficult, the significant changes and stuff that you face. What changes did you face and how did you manage them? Yeah. You know, again, I'm speaking, I'm, I'll say I'm going to have my, my brother also because he, he did again more than his fair share. You know, there was a time when one of the big lessons for me was in a conversation with a social worker who Jackie also became very close to, Lauren Schaefer. And I'll admit that, not proud to admit it now, that we were sort of complaining that Jackie wasn't eating enough and she maybe wasn't trying hard enough to eat. And, you know, Lauren, so I have to pause sometimes. Lauren reminded me or enlightened me that we bring our relationship to the disease. You know, we bring our relationship to the disease. And, you know, that really informed maybe how I or we were approaching our conversations with Jackie and maybe how she was perceiving them. You know, she's our older sister and whatever perceptions we had about, you know, what she did or what she didn't do and how hard she tried or how hard she didn't try or, or the younger brothers who see, thought they knew better, you know, whatever those sibling things are, right? And everyone has different versions of that, that that was manifesting itself in our conversations and in sort of the way that we approached and perceived her needs. And it really reminded me to step back from that. And I'm sure you've had your own version of that with parents, right? Parent-child relationship. But it really reminded me that what I try to live is what I've heard referred to as the platinum rule. You know, the golden rule is do unto others as you want to do unto yourself. The platinum rule is, you know, to essentially treat other people the way they want to be treated, right? Not necessarily the way you would be, but the way they want to be treated. And that requires really to listen and to understand and at times push and encourage certainly but also at times back away and not think you know better because you can't possibly know what someone's going through can possibly know of course it seems easy just to, to drink fluids to stay hydrated but sometimes it just it's hard to do that I and mean, we can't possibly know that so to i guess that's approaching it with both humility and empathy to make sure that we're treating the patient the way they want to be treated. It's difficult, you know, because like I say, you're, you're trying to do the best you can. And my being on both sides of the fence, so to say, being the patient and also the caregiver, caregiver is much harder. I mean, it's a much harder position to be in, you know, to try because you're trying to do everything you can to help them experiencing it. You don't understand. And I think I did probably a much better job with my mom than I did with my dad, though with my dad, we didn't have as much time. But being the patient and then having to take care of my mom, it gave me a different insight. And I know eating is always a big challenge. And, you know, you kind of have to learn that you kind of sometimes have to back away and just do the best you can. But I agree. You just, you know, you just have to do the best you can. And I'm sure, you know, she appreciated the, even though they were the little brothers taking on the big brother <laughs> role at that time, 
because the support that the caregivers that you guys give us is really, really important. And that's what really, I think, helps us get through probably 90% of what we go through. So I thank you for doing that with her. I'm sure, like I said, she appreciated, even though she may not have always shown it. I'm sure she did. But can you like give what tips would you be able to give to other caregivers that are going through the same thing? You know, I'm not sure I have any like things that I haven't, you know, been written about a lot, but I think it really for us is maybe I'm going to start with the caregiver. Take care of yourself. Right. And I know that's the last thing you want to think about. But it is true that the more you're there for yourself, the more you you can be there for other people. And as much as you want to be completely selfless about things, you have other commitments and responsibilities and emotions. And so to be gentle with yourself, you're not perfect either. And you need to take care of yourself. I was speaking to a caregiver the other day. I do some volunteer work at a hospital really as a pay it forward for the support that we received. And the mom was talking about how she hasn't gone to any of her doctor's appointments and she, you know, she isn't, you know, has her own health issues. And, you know, it's important. The patient would want the caregiver to take care of themselves. So I think that's really important. I know it's an obvious point, but it's really hard to do. You know, I think in terms of eating and food, like, you know, how I would approach it for me is not necessarily the way I you know, and the things that I'd want for myself goes back to maybe the platinum rule and not necessarily what other people connect to. Like I'm a meditator. I like to read about stuff, you know, they eat a certain way. And, you know, Jackie didn't want to do any of that. We could suggest, but no one to back away. You know, she and really whatever they eat is fine. You know, calories are calories. So give them something that regardless of what it is, when you think it should be this, but they want that, then go with that. You know, calories are important. So I think really just listening again, encouraging, but stopping short of creating you know negativity around the support that you think is best for them. Yeah, it is important as a caregiver, like you say, and it's hard for us to do. And it, for me, it's really great. I can give really great advice, but that doesn't mean I always follow it. But if you can't take care of yourself, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not going to be able to take care of the person you really want to be there for. So you do, you have to take that time, whether it's walk away, take a walk, read a book, whatever it is, you know, take those moments and refresh yourself so you can come back and be the caregiver that you want or the person you want to be with your loved one. So, yeah. you know, and eating from my mom, which was funny as she mentioned, because we would, you know, try to get her to eat, of course, but we were using a regular size dinner plate and she said it, it just looks so overwhelming. So we actually mm. went to a dessert plate. I know it sounds mm. probably funny, but she was able to at least look at that and think I can conquer that, but I can't conquer that big old plate. So you know, just little bites. We had, you know, nuts, whatever. I mean, she was a big C's candy fan. Let mm-hmm. me tell you, I wish I could eat the C's candy like she could. <laughs> but yeah. calories can be important because you need to keep that weight on. And, and especially when they're going through the treatment. Was she doing the traditional, you know, was she doing chemo? Had she had surgery or was she inoperable? Inoperable. Yeah. She, so she was going through chemo and then later some radiation treatment, but no, no surgery. She wasn't, she wasn't able to have surgery. Yeah. How has your personal experience as Jackie's caregiver shaped your approach as your role on the board for Let's Win? You asked a question I don't know the answer to. What what came first? Like I, I may have gotten involved with Let's Win even before, or maybe around the same time. Or maybe it was maybe it was after. And the reason I'm struggling with that is because I knew Cindy Gavin. You know, 20 years ago, we used to work together, and I guess it was after. So after Jackie got diagnosed because of my involvement and knowing Cindy, they asked me to join the board. 
which I was honored to do. And interestingly, Jack, Cindy and Jackie knew each other. Jackie taught at the school where Cindy's kids went, so they had their own relationship. But, you know, it is really the way for me to honor Jackie and all patients and all caregivers. And it, it's allowed me to approach the role through a caregiver lens, but also in a way that amplifies the patient voice. And so you know this because you participate, but we stood up a patient advisory board that we didn't historically have. And you participate in that and, and as well as maybe a dozen other patients. And it has so, so enriched our understanding and strategic goals, to be honest with you, to really understand through the patient's story and not just my, you know, my sister's story, but through various stories, what's important, what the needs are, how to present information, how to make it actionable. And so it, you know, it really has um, amplified the patient voice and made us more patient-centric, and it will continue to do that as we think about our goals for the next three years. Yeah, thank you, and thank you. I'm honored to be on that board and help however I can, so thank you for that honor. I appreciate it, the ask and being on there. In your view, what is the most critical resources or types of support that patients with pancreatic cancer and their families need? I mean, the first thing I would say, and you know, maybe it's going to be a little corny, but I'm going to go back to this word, hope. I really think hope because you, you know, you get that diagnosis, your head's spinning, you start Googling things and you don't hear great, you know, read great things. Maybe that's, has been the case historically. It's gotten a lot better as you know, but you need hope. You need hope and a positive outlook. And, and one of the things that we at Let's Win pride ourselves on is providing that hope and the, through inspiring survivor stories and in other ways. So I think hope as hard as, as it is, is an essential resource that isn't a constant. It will wane, but it's like, um, you know, when, when the patient doesn't have enough hope, the caregiver gets in front of he or she and pulls them along. And sometimes it's the patient that is leading the way. And, you know, you sort of uh, draft off each other's hope, if that makes sense, and work as a team. I also think professionals, support network and professionals, you know, Jackie wasn't interested in talking to coaches, but we really wish she had because there's people out there who thought about this professionally and helped the patient psychologically. She was very close with a social worker, so that's a form of coach, but helping, there are coaches out there and other support groups. And again, that's one of those points where we thought she should and she didn't want to and we have to respect that but I think it's it's really helpful I think to at least explore professional help they're professional for a reason I'll stop there for a second so it's like you wanted to (laughs) I was gonna say it's I would probably agree with you but again I'm good at giving the advice but not exactly taking it for me I think it was easier to talk to other survivors or patients going through it because they could really understand what I was going through where, um, and not to take anything from the coach, because yes, they can get you through certain things and help you out. But it would just seem to be, for me, it was just easier talking to somebody who knew exactly what I was going through and not, I mean, I think it would be great if the coach actually had that experience and somehow, um, not maybe personally, but maybe with, you know, somehow had that experience. But so I can kind of understand, I think how she felt in a way, because like I said, it's, Something that I would, you know, advise people, yeah, if you need it, please go out and get it. But for me, it just seemed to work better talking to others who are going through the same thing because you could understand and you could just really be very honest and say what you were going through and, and, you know, get the help, what you needed to get through that. So, 
Yeah, no, I completely understand that. Some of the coaches do, you know, have that life experience also. But she also had a very um, close personal relationship with at least one other patient and, and others that she met. And that was really helpful to her because we can't possibly understand what the patient is going through. You know, as much as we time we spend with them, as much as we may know them, it's impossible, uh, both physically and, and emotionally. And so to, to be able to talk to someone who understands that is and validate everything they're feeling and have a different kind of conversation is important. You know, I think, and obviously not everyone has the benefit of family. You know, we have the benefit of a strong family and really try to surround her with, I'll call it normalcy, as much as possible. That includes like the creature comfort of some items from home when she was in the hospital and, you know, making sure that she feels supported. You know, we were fortunate that in her last hospital stay, she was treated at Royal Cornell, but last hospital stay, she was up at a hospital closer to where my brother and I live. We live near each other up in Westchester, New York, and we were able to stay over in the hospital on alternating nights. So, uh, you know, she wanted someone there. And, you know, we were fortunate to be able to, you know, to, to spend that time with her. I'm not sure that's normalcy, but it is listening to what they need and doing everything you can within your means to, to provide that support. Well, with this disease, there is no real normalcy. It's whatever you change, your life changes, a new normal comes in and that's what you have to do. So whatever it is, that's what's normal for you, then that's what works. And and that's the best thing to do. So I think you guys did the right thing. And I mean, everything changes. Your life changes. It, this doesn't just affect us as the patient survivor. It also affects our family. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize until you really get into this disease and how much it does affect the family. Did your the, both families make great changes to accommodate Jackie and what she was going through? Yeah, as much as we could. I mean, she stayed a lot with my brother. They had an extra room. So she basically, they've renamed it Jackie's room now. I mean, it was like a guest room, but she basically lived there for a lot of time. And she stayed with us at, at, at other times. We were able to adjust our own schedules to literally be there every day and have our kids who are older, you know, they're all in their 20s now, but to visit and have my parents visit. So, you know, we're able to do everything we can to, you know, to accommodate her wishes. And it's really important to know what is important to them. And I would also say, and this is, you know, the tough part of it, to have those tough conversations on what is that, what is important to them, right? And that, of course, includes things like healthcare proxies and other things, but also just to really understand what they want, how they want to live. And obviously, you know, we hope that's for a really, really long time. And it's, it is for more and more patients, but you never know. For any of us, you never know, right? And so it's important just to really understand what they want. It is, and it makes things so much easier for all of you. That way you can spend the time that you need, you know, with each other, not have to worry about that. Real quick, if you could just, looking forward, what would your goals be for Let's Win in dealing with families and patients? Yeah. Yeah, so our goal at Let's Win is to be your guide to hope and action, you know, to guide you to be the go-to guide with resources that are actionable, both for the patient and for the caregiver. I don't know. You can tell me because you've been both roles, whether the patient and caregiver is harder. I'm still going to go with the patient is harder, but it's a, they're different challenges. And so our goal is to provide vital information for especially new diagnosed patients, but all patients both in English and Spanish, and that is translating the latest science because the science is overwhelming. I don't have a mind for the science. And so we try to translate that sort of the lay language, talk about the practical strategies, 
that so many people came up with along the way. And also, as I said, inspiring stories because you need to see examples like yourself and so many other people who are, you know, who are doing well and doing important work. Um, that's inspiring. And inspiration gives us energy and energy, you know, is life. Um, so we want to be inspiring, but we also want to be actionable with resources that help people find the right experts and also make it easier to get into clinical trials. So we do that now and there's even more to come in our new strategic plan. Again, in, you know, empowered or inspired by um, some of our conversations on the with patient advisory board. So, so we're excited about our, the opportunities to reach as many patients as possible, provide that hope and that clear path for action. Yeah, thank you. And I think Let's Win does an awesome job. And I love their website. When you first go on, the first thing you see are survivor stories. So it is very inspirational. I want to thank you for coming and joining us today. I know how difficult it is to share this, but it's it's important. Um, As long as you speak my name, I shall live forever is dedicated to Jacqueline Hope Greenstein. Jackie is remembered for her spirit and profound love for her family and friends. She has embodied the word courage, facing her fears with unwavering bravery. Her legacy of inspiration continues to touch our lives daily. Thank you. Thank you, Roberta. Thank you, everyone. Well, there you have it. Another powerful reason to turn in each and every time to this episode of Living Hope. A weekly journey where we design conversations around hope, inspiration, and education for those living with or dealing with pancreatic cancer. And if you know somebody that is living with it or dealing with it and you need help, lots of places to go. Let's uh, let's suggest our organization today here. Let's win pancreatic cancer. Let's win PC.org. Great place to start the journey and find out more about how you can walk this walk. We hope you'll join us as we will continue to walk this walk and talk about this topic each and every week here in Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.